start recording now. <laughs> My goodness. We were just talking about Steven Universe future because I hadn't seen most of the season and I'm very upset. <laughs> See, but I've seen the entire season, so. But it's fine. I won't discuss it any further. No spoilers here. <clears throat> okay. Uh, <laughs> hi, and welcome back to I'll Tell You What, a spoopy podcast. Ooh. I'm Miranda. And I'm Ashlyn. I don't know why I said it like I that. I didn't know why I said I'm it like this I'm very either. angsty right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are recording this right after um, our last podcast. Mm-hmm. But in between then, we, we got a second update email from, from my, uh, Michael Murphy. Ooh. Um, what does what Michael have say? for us this time? Wait, what did it say? Because I... Let me, let me see if I can open it on mine. If you don't okay. get to it first. Oh, he said some omissions from the first email. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Well, you don't need to address the omissions. However, he says, I have now <laughs> finished episode 17. I loved how Miranda and Ashlyn kind of just nonchalantly say, oh, yeah, and by the way, we're now on Podchaser, too. But, like, yeah, it's no big deal. But, yeah, we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and if you want... A, a, if you want a secret room slash doorway, look into Murphy Doors. I have, I have no, no relation to the company <laughs> that I know of. It's doors disguised. Oh, oh it's no. doors disguised as bookshelves, and he wants one in his own house. That is exactly what I was talking about for like a secret <laughs> tunnel. That's what I want. That's so funny. <laughs> Apparently, we're humble bragging. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just a fact. It's like no so, one follows us on there, but we do have a pod chaser. Please connect. So my us. phone's uh, gonna die soon. It's at twenty three percent, and that's what I'm reading off of. So we're just gonna dive right into it. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get the so show. So Ashlyn, I'll tell you what. What do you tell me? The Kansas City Butcher. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Jeez. So right out of the. Gate I'm gonna be there. honest. When we get into the actual, uh, this is a serial killer. If you couldn't tell. Um, and I'll be honest, when we get into the actual murders, it's it's not going to be very funny because, you know, death isn't exactly hilarious. If I do start... We may laugh because we're uncomfortable. Because, yeah, we, yeah, we are well-versed in uncomfortable laughter. But, so that's yes, just uh, a warning there warning for you guys. Warning for you. And also, here's my PSA before I get into it. This is going to deal with some sensitive subject matter. Regarding torture and rape. Oh, fun. So, getting into the early life of Robert Andrew Berdella Jr. And I'll be referring him to Berdella uh, as Berdella for pretty mm -hmm. much the entirety of this podcast. Because I don't think he deserves us to say his first name. He does not. Can we make fun of him? Yes, please do. January 31st, 1949. In Chattanooga Falls, Ohio, the United States, Robert Andrew Berdella Jr. was born to Robert Berdella Sr. and his mother, Mary Berdella. Now, his father was a die setter for Ford Motor Company, and his mother was a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker. Um, now, he had a younger brother. His younger brother was seven years younger than him, and his name was Daniel. Imagine they were raised... In a very religious Catholic home. Uh, I just think it's funny that his brother got his own name and he didn't. I know, right? No. <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually pretty typical for a dad to be like, well, you're my know. first son, you get my name. I um, mean, but yes. Yeah. So the family regularly attended mass and both sons were uh, also attended religious education courses. Um, as a young child, Berdella was very smart, but he was kind of a loner. He rarely had friends, and his shyness was probably caused by his speech impediment and the fact mm. that he wore thick with 2C glasses from the age of five because he was extremely nearsighted. Okay. He was wearing those Coke bottle glasses, and he had a speech impediment. So I feel a little bad. The cards were stacked against him a little bit. Well, and this is before the time of child uh, psychology and developmental psychology. Yeah. And... So some of this may have had. This is a very interesting case because um, if you if you're one of those people who likes to look at nature versus nurture, 
mm-hmm. um, it possibly had an effect on him. I mean, I found some that of it, it did. Of the serial killers that I've heard about, it often does. However, that does not excuse their actions. No, absolutely ever. not. You could feel bad for what happened to them, but not their actions. Well, it's it like, just, you know, we both have depression. We both have anxiety. Yeah. We don't go around murdering people. Exactly. We, I mean, I'm not going to say we went through, we've ever gone through some of these things that these people have. Yeah, but, but at there's the same other time, ways. There's other ways. There's counseling. Well, it's it's like those uh, students who were talking uh, about the shooter at their school, and they were like, "Look, I was bullied too. That doesn't mean I took a gun to school." Exactly, because he was very nearsighted, wore really thick glasses, and was kind of a loner. He was, and uh, sorry, blah, sorry, because of all of this, as well as all of this, he also had high blood pressure and took several medications because of it. And due to all of these things, he was very unathletic. Um, I get them. Now, his own father viewed athleticism as being a man. Oh. And so he fa- he tended to favor his younger brother, Daniel, because Daniel was very athletic. And that's on toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm, that's on toxic masculinity. Um, Burdello's father viewed his lack of athleticism as being a failure, basically. And, and treated him like the lesser son. Uh, Burdella Sr. was occasionally physically and emotion- emotionally abusive to the boys. Once again, toxic masculinity. Also, do not abuse your children. Um, yeah. Even going as far as to beating them with a leather strap. Don't beat your children. That I'm sorry, that never leads to anything good. A spanking is a spanking. You don't beat your kids. Yeah. Anywho... <laughs> Uh, so even though Berdella performed well in school, his teachers really found it hard to teach him because he was so shy. Um, and the fact that he was really constantly bullied by his peers because he didn't have any friends. When Berdella reached puberty, he realized he was homosexual. Um, but he didn't come out about his sexuality for quite some time. I wonder why. Yeah. Even going as far as to having a girlfriend briefly in his teens. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was just trying to hide it from his father. Not surprising, honestly. I mean, also, considering his religious background. Well, and it's and it's the '60s. Right. I know the '60s was the beginning of like uh, the you know the free love and all that, but mm-hmm. this is Ohio. Yeah, it's not it's not a coast. It's not you know it's. I'd argue that Ohio is far more conservative than Kansas City. I, that like I would L- I would agree. Ohio. I'm not going to say you're wrong. So. In his mid-teens, he actually began to gain some self-confidence. However, like some guys that I've personally known, he got a bit cocky and misogynistic. Yep. He was often rude and and condescending to his peers, especially women. It's almost like he didn't realize women were people. A lot of, a lot of, I've met several guys who were bullied when they were younger. And then when they gained some self-confidence, they, they did a 180 and then they became cocky and rude. See, this is some kind of behavior that you actually have to uh, acknowledge in children is that if if they have an inclination to try and control like animals and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, even so much as to like jump all over the animal's case when they're, uh, uh, you know, just doing normal animal things. Yeah. Like scratching a wall or something. That should never be the child's job. Yeah. You should not be putting the child in charge of that because the child needs to understand that he cannot take out or they cannot take their out their frustration on beings that are perceived either as weaker or just won't mm-hmm. like come back and bite them yeah well even though um even though he was becoming more rude and condescending and misogynistic he did however begin showing an interest in cooking and art and he he started becoming somewhat of a showman like showing off a bit with this kind of stuff. Um, however, on Christmas Day, I'm saying I'm um a lot. I'm going to have to cut all that out. <laughs> so on Christmas Day in 1965, his father died. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess he had been away from his family. I, From what I was reading, it was very confusing. He, had, I guess, had been away from his family because he found out about two days later when he returned home. And how old was he at this time? Um, I'm actually not sure. I didn't read his age at the time. He was born in 1949, and this is 65. 
Okay, so he's in his 20s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so most... Uh, back then, it was like 18, you're officially an adult, bye. Yeah, so I guess like he had been away for, for Christmas or something and came home a couple days later, and th- his family was like, by the way, your dad died. And so... Well, and for someone who's who's dealt with abuse his entire life, uh, that can be an entire bag of mixed feelings, too. Exactly. Um, so after his father's death, his mother remarried. However, Berdella saw this as a personal slight against his would. father and held resentment towards his mother and new stepfather. Um, it thrusted him, therefore he thrust himself further into his solitary activities like painting, coin collecting, and stamps, and writing to foreign pen pals. Uh, Berdella claims that his pen pals were from places like Vietnam and Burma, and they would send him stamps for his collection. Uh, they also sent him photographs of mythical and historical icons, ancient cultures, and architecture. It piqued his interest, and it really got him interested in primitive art, photographs, and antiques. This will come into play later when he starts his own business in 1982. But before then, in 1965, the same year that his father died, he went to see a film called The Collector, which was a film adaptation of the book written by John Fowles. So basically, in this movie, it revolves around a man who stalks and abducts a young woman Mm -hmm. that he finds attractive. He holds her captive in his windowless stone basement and viewing her as like little more than an attractive specimen, kind of like a zoo animal. Mm -hmm. After several weeks, the woman dies of an illness despite her captor's effort to keep her alive. Apparently, Berdella later stated that this movie had formed a lasting impression on him. I'm so tired. So gross. Yeah, no, and the thing is, there's a lot of men like that. I know. That see these things as, oh, this is an artistic thing that shows. Mm. And like I said, he he thought of himself as an artist. Yeah. After graduating from Chattanooga Uh Falls High School in 1987. Wait, what? What? Maybe I have his birth year wrong. You might have his birth year wrong then. I think I have his birth year wrong because that doesn't make any sense. Oh, it was 1967. Sorry. Um. Okay. That that makes more sense. And when did his dad die? Uh, 1965. Okay, so he wasn't in his 20s yet. He was just in his teens. Yes. I can't do math quickly, guys. Also, I need to like write down. Yes. Sorry. Graduated in 1967. I'm. Ugh, I don't know why. I, I was typing too fast. It's fine. In 1967. Okay. After graduating from Chattanooga Falls High School in 1967, Berdello relocated to Kansas City, Missouri. He Great. enrolled in the Kansas City Art Institute, and he no. had he had aspirations to become a college professor. Of course he did. He's pretentious as all heck. Yeah. So his first year of school seemed to go smoothly. He was widely known as being an attentive and talented student. But soon after starting his second year, he became very vocally an anti-authoritarian. Which, because he's an artist. Because he's an artist. He has. He's an edge lord. He is an, an edge. He literally is an edge lord, and that's just he's the grossest version of it. Um, during this time, he also began hanging out with a group of friends who provided him with drugs. Yeah. Soon after being provided with the drugs, he began selling drugs to other students to make money. How like you, you do. How quickly, like, does that turn around? I know. In <laughs> addition Lord. to becoming a small-time drug dealer, he also became uh, began abusing alcohol. By the way, at this time, he was only 18. Okay. And this is where it begins to get real disturbing. It was already kind of disturbing, but okay. Oh, it gets way worse. He began to engage in acts of animal torture on at least three separate occasions. And there it is. While a student at the Kansas City Art Institute, during two of these incidences... He tortured a duck and a chicken while his peers were present. And in a third instance, he was experimenting with sedatives and tranquilizers on a dog. What a sicko. Animal abuse is a clear sign of psychopathy. Yes. Of psychopathy. Well, no, and it's and it's all about Teach exerting your children that to control. be nice to animals and people. Well, and it's also about exerting that control. Mm-hmm. It's about seeing uh, animals as empathetic beings rather than just a thing objects. Yeah, 
Uh, and it's the same with people. You know, people still are not animals. Mm-hmm. And they are definitely not objects. Exactly. So when Berdella was 19, he was arrested and uh, for attempting to sell methamphetamines to an undercover cop. Genius. <laughs> so we already know he's an idiot. Yeah. He was released after posting a $3,000 bond. And in uh, 2019, that would be the equivalent to $22,000. I don't know where he got that money. And later, he pled guilty and received a five-year suspended sentence. Suspended sentences kind of baffle me, but it's kind of basically like probation. This makes me especially angry considering how many people we have uh, that are in jail mm-hmm. for, for, lesser carrying offenses. A, for carrying a dime bag of marijuana. Yeah, for much lesser like, offenses. Stupidly, only one month after his first arrest, Berdella and two other students were arrested for possession of marijuana and LSD in Johnson County. However, on this occasion, Berdella could not post bond, and he spent five days in jail, although the charges against him and one of the other students would be dropped due to lack of evidence. That basically means someone uh, messed up in the whole chain of custody thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, if you not caught them with it, then how did they mess up? How is there no evidence? It means that the cop wasn't exactly following procedure. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the 60s. Well... And the thing is, uh, cops don't always know when they're not following procedure. I, I, we discussed that. Yeah. In, in, um, in our episode, episode 16. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard to blame the cop in this situation. Yeah. Uh, I would blame mm-hmm. uh, training more than anything. So in 1969, Berdella voluntarily withdrew from the Kansas City Arts Institute after receiving harsh criticism from college administrators for killing and then cooking a duck for the sake of art. What a pretentious, part of my French douche. There's people who do that, though. Like, it's messed up. That's sick. No, that shouldn't. That's not art. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm screaming. But that's not art. I know. That's just animal torture. The thing is, I mean, people. So they don't. The number of animals that have died on film sets. That's not okay. Yeah. I mean, I personally would not enjoy working on a film set where an animal actually dies uh, for the sake of the film. Like, there have been accidents, of course, but I'm talking about where it was, where it was purposeful, you know? Yeah. That never sits right <sighs> with me. When- I'm pretty sure his method of killing the, and cooking the duck, though, wasn't exactly a film or anything like that. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, it's completely different from, you know, uh, being a butcher or things like that where they actually are planning on doing this for food and you know it's it's different it's just different yeah. and and using a pretentious phrase for the sake of art that's just that's you where face. you went wrong you know where you went wrong is the beginning of it but you know what i mean however he remained in the kansas city area and in the summer of uh, of the same year he moved into uh, 4315 charlotte street Within the Hyde Park District. And that won't make any sense unless you're from Kansas City. But it's it's downtown. I'd say near the Art Institute. Um, yeah, that sounds right. So at this time, Berdella has been out uh, has been out about his homosexuality for quite a few years. And because well, yeah, now it can be a public statement. Uh-huh. Well, and now he began spending a lot of his free time with... Male prostitutes, drug addicts, petty criminals, and runaways. However, not in the way that you would initially think. Oh, no. Mm. Our boy had a savior Do complex. Do not call him our boy. Yeah, he's not our boy. Sorry. I reject everything. Dumb boy <laughs> had a savior complex. Of course he did. So I apparently can't... he spent his time with them to cure them of their criminal and drug-addicted ways. By befriending them. Uh, supposedly. You're a drug addict yourself. Supposedly he never had any con- physical contact with them, in- with any of-, of these people. And this went on into the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told many of his neighbors that he felt like a pseudo foster parent to these youths. See, that is the ultimate pretentious move. Right. Is that your life is such a mess because of your own decisions but no you're so above all of these other people you have to help them i know i'm like wait your life blew up because of your choices of your choices doing the same exact thing so you have to save these other guys 
Ugh. And however, in the 1980s, he felt out of touch. He fell out of touch with uh, many of his older friends. So he became reliant on these younger men for companionship. He became increasingly frustrated with those who didn't comply with his help. Wow. It's almost like he's controlling. Mm, very so. He has, he's a narcissist. Uh, sorry, I think I left out a word on my notes. At this time, Berdella would often engage uh, in relations with several of these individuals. Um, and would, but he would assert dominance over them. I think mm -hmm. friendships, I think, wise. At this time, Berdella would often engage in friendships with several of these individuals, but he would assert dominance over them. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the ways he asserted dominance, he would lend them money. And even let them live rent-free with him for a time period, for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they think that he's helping them, mm -hmm. but in reality, well, he hold, that's he his literally held financial them. custody over them, basically. Yeah. And he's like, well, I gave you money. And I'm letting you stay with me. And that's like a big red flag right mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Is. According to his neighbors, he was increasingly flamboyant. However, he was actually pretty civic-minded. Even though his property was actually pretty dilapidated and in disre disrepair, uh, in the late 1970s, Berdella would organize activities of the Southside Park Crime Prevention and Neighborhood Association. He became their chairman in the early 1980s and even encouraged neighborhood watch patrols. Because it's a position of power. Mm. There's so many people who, have, who are in positions of power who really shouldn't because they have... They have big problems with it. Like well, no, I mean, that's the thing is, and that's one of the issues that people are having with some police is that the position attracts a certain kind of uh, power hungry. Yeah. A certain kind of personality. And I'm not saying everyone who is a tr who wants to become a police officer has that kind of personality. Yeah. But the problem is, is that it attracts those people. Mm -hmm. Besides his community efforts, after leaving school, Bertella worked as a cook in several Kansas City restaurants. And he even sold some antiques and such to supplement his additional income. Disgusting. Yeah. He also used these funds to pay off some of his lawyer fees from when he was 19. In the mid-70s, his career actually really took off and he began working as a senior cook at several renowned Kansas City restaurants. He joined the oh, a, no. a local chef's association mm -hmm. and he even helped help establish a training program for aspiring chefs at a local community college. I don't college. like where this is going. I don't. Not where you think. Oh, um, at the God. same time, his side business began taking off as well. And in 1981, he had established several contractual agreements with both national and international contracts or contacts. And mm -hmm. because his his personal business of antiques and whatnot had, had started taking off, he ceased his work as a chef and solely f focused on his personal business. Oh, thank goodness. His personal business <clears throat> in 1982, Berdella began renting his own booth at the Westport Flea Market. Which is actually very uh, famous. Oh. Around these parts, at least. Yeah, around these parts, um, I'd say. The business was called Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. No. <laughs> I don't like Duh. it. Also, it sounds familiar, but I'm hoping it's just because I keep thinking You've about You've probably read bizarre. about this case. Um, I don't know. So basically, it sold antiques, primitive art, and jewelry. Now, even though sometimes he would make a pretty good monthly profit, he often had to sell his wares to other merchants and often at a loss. Sometimes he would even have to scavenge or steal items to sell. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so he soon became acquainted with the son of a fellow merchant named Jerry Howell. Jerry Howell is the son, not the fellow merchant. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry and his friends would actually tease Berdella for being homosexual, even though apparently Jerry and his friends later confided in Berdella that they sometimes worked as male prostitutes to earn money. Yeah, I mean, the thing is they probably were insecure about doing that themselves. Exactly. Berdella and Jerry had a temperamental relationship and they would often argue, but then they would rekindle their relationship it was weird. Uh, Berdella would often offer legal and financial assistance to Jerry, and Jerry had a lot of minor scrapes with the law. And in the summer of 1984, Jerry turned 19. And this is where it takes oh, a very dark turn. 
So in July of 1984, Berdella told Jerry he would drive him to a dance contest in Miriam, Kansas. Now, that's about half an hour to 45 minutes outside Kansas City, Mm -hmm. for those who don't know. Um, But instead of driving him to Miriam, Kansas, Berdella decided to fill Jerry with alcohol, Valium, and Asapromazine. Uh, Asapromazine is actually an antipsychotic drug. And it was used oh. in humans during the <laughs> oh, 1950s no. as an antipsychotic, but now is mostly, almost exclusively, used on animals as a sedative. Yeah. So he did this in his car and inside oh, his house. Then he injected Jerry with a heavy tranquilizer and bound him to a bed. Jerry was bound to the bed for around 28 hours. Throughout the 28 hours... Berdella repeatedly drugged, tortured, and violently raped Jerry, and even violated him with foreign objects. Jerry apparently repeatedly asked why and and pled to be let go. However, the monster, Berdella, ignored Jerry every time. He kept asking and pleading until, according to Berdella, he asphyxiated on his own vomit and or the mixture of drugs may have had it, made it too hard for him to catch his breath. Yeah, you put him on an antipsychotic. Mm-hmm. And alcohol. Mm-hmm. And volume. Oh, my God. Uh, Berdella later stated that he tried to perform some kind of resuscitation, like CPR on Jerry. But besides that, Jerry had died uh, before he drag, drug him down into the basement. He then, and I'm sorry, this is graphic, hung Jerry's body over a large cooking pot and began to make incisions in order to drain Jerry's blood. I don't want to go into any more detail besides that. I read a lot more horrible things. The following day, after he had drained Jerry's blood, he dismembered his body with a chainsaw and boning knives. He then wrapped Jerry's body parts in newspaper and trash bags, then placed them in larger trash bags and simply left them outside for the garbage men to pick up. See, you can't see my face right now because of this partition, but I'm not really... Disgusted, I am violently angry. I would be too. Um, When he was later questioned about Jerry Howell's disappearance, he said that he had driven Jerry to the dance uh, contest in Miriam, Kansas, but they parted ways and he hadn't seen him since. From now on, Berdella kept a detailed log about all of his victims. He was adamant that these logs were not for his enjoyment, but for, quote, his physical and mental satisfaction, which if you ask me, that is, is the exact same thing as enjoyment. God. Freaking. No, but he's a pretentious little. I, I want to hit him with a car. literally the definition of I enjoyment. Do. I really want to hit him with a car. And you're not going to get much. Okay, you're going to get more angry. I was going to say you're not going to get much happier, but <laughs> you're going to get much more angry. His next victims included on April... 10th, 1985, 23-year-old Robert Sheldon, a former lodger of Berdella's, came to him and asked him if he could stay for a, a short stint. He was like, hey, bud, um, can I can I crash? And according to Berdella, even though Sheldon paid rent, he, con- he considered him an inconvenience. Of course he did. So on April 12th, when Berdella returned home from work to find Sheldon intoxicated, he decided to drug him and hold him captive. To clarify... Berdella was supposedly not sexually attracted to Sheldon, but instead saw him as a person on which he could release his anger and frustration. Yeah, like most... uh, Psychopaths? Like most, well, sexual predators, too. Mm, Yes. So Berdella drugged Sheldon and pumped him full of sedatives. Mm -hmm. This is pretty much his MO. And he kept him in a room on the second floor for about three days. During the three days, he performed numerous acts of torture on Sheldon. This includes putting drain cleaner in his eye, needles beneath his fingertips, filling his ears with cock to impede his hearing, and binding his wrists with piano wires so tightly it permanently damaged the nerves. After three days of torture, a workman came to do some work on Berdella's roof, so so Berdella decided to suffocate Sheldon with a bag. Then, once again, he dissected and dismembered his body in the third world floor bathroom this time after robert sheldon berdella came across mark wallace the next june it d- <sighs> so this man's disgusting 
Yes. Um, he's got control issues. Oh, major. So Mark Wallace had done some yard work for Berdella in the past. And now when I say um, that Berdella came across Mark Wallace, I mean he found him hiding inside his tool shed during a thunderstorm, like a severe thunderstorm. So he was hiding in his tool shed. Now, unfortunately for Mark Wallace, Berdella invited him inside. Now, noticing Wallace was tense and nervous, Berdella injected him with some chloropromazine. Uh, chloropromazine, sorry. Which, once again, is an antipsychotic. Just, like, give it a rest, He man. told Well, the thing is, he told Mark Wallace that it would just help him calm him down. So, Mark Mark was like, okay, sure. What? Well, because he didn't know. I, I get it. But, like, at the same time, don't... Okay, just even if you really trust the person... Don't let them inject you with yeah, things. If he's going to inject you with something, don't. No, 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 no. That's worse than anything else. Don't take drugs from strangers or people you know. <laughs> yeah, clearly. This case so, was someone that he knew. Yes. So within 30 minutes, he was completely helpless and Berdella took him captive. Berdella carried him up to the second floor torture room. I mean, the bedroom, but, you know. Same diff to him. He began torturing him. He put alligator clips on his nipples that il- administered electric shocks. This eventually caused Wallace to go completely unconscious. Then Berdella began experimenting with hypodermic needles by sticking them in various muscles along his back. Um, it was during this time that Wallace died from some combination of the drug's torture and lack of oxygen, according to Berdella. So we don't actually know what killed him. Yeah. He put in his notes that Wallace's time of death uh, was 7 p.m. on June 23rd. So after this, Berdella still went on to kidnap, torture, kill, and dismember several more men. Of course he did. On September 26th, 1985, one of Berdella's former acquaintances called and asked him for a place to stay for just a short term. This man was James Ferris. Now, apparently, Berdella accepted uh, to house Ferris explicitly to torture and kill him. So, according to Berdella, uh, some of these victims, he was like, I wasn't really planning on it, and then I just decided to do it. Yeah, But this one, he was like, nah, I was straight up just going to murder him. I knew I was going to do that. And so, according to investigators, Berdella told them that unlike his first victims, this time he actually meant to inflict torture. Oh, yeah, the other ones were just like, he accidentally <laughs> inflicted <laughs> that much torture See, on everyone else? What? Here's here's the problem. Uh, I mean, granted, there's a lot of problems with men like this. But the thing with men like this is that they're not actually that intelligent. No. In fact, at all. Because if they were, they would actually be able to control their emotions. Mm-hmm. They would actually be able to provide insight into their own actions and do self-reflection. Mm-hmm. But... People like this constantly play the victim. Mm -hmm. They constantly try and act like they're smart despite their circumstances. Yeah. Fight me. Okay. And and more than that, they are so blinded by their own inadequacies. Yeah. And they know they're inadequate, Mm -hmm. but they're so blinded by it that they can't bother to even think that other people have emotions. Exactly. So like normal. He invited Ferris into his home, drugged him, tied him up in the second floor bedroom, and tortured him for 27 hours. Apparently, when Ferris died, Berdella referred to it in kitchen slang as in he 86'd. Um, You're, that's not even witty. Yeah. Like, 86 means like to take something off or to like cut to get rid of. Like get rid of. Yeah, throw it like out. That doesn't that doesn't really even make sense in this context. Yeah. So sorry. But I know um, you have to you have to try yeah. and be your pretentious little idiot self. Um his next victim was Todd Stoops. Stoops was a drug addict and occasionally a prostitute. He and his wife apparently had briefly lived with Berdella Ber, uh, at Berdella's twice for short stints in nineteen eighty four. But after they had moved out the last time, Berdella didn't see them until the unfortunate day of June seventeenth, nineteen eighty six. When they had the chance encounter at Kansas City's Liberty Memorial Park. They just happened to see each other. 
And they were like, hey, bud, what's up? And Bertella decided to invite him over for lunch and even offered to pay him for his services so he could buy drugs. He just, he pried on people and he knew how to because he had met almost all of these Mm -hmm. men before. Well, and more than that, it's, he's a manipulator. He's a monster. Yes. Um, But in my opinion, most, most manipulators that operate uh, on even lesser levels than this, Mm -hmm. quite a few of them are monsters. Yeah. So um, Berdella obviously had other plans. Berdella told investigators that he actually had been extremely attracted to Stoops. And this time he held Stoops captive for two weeks before he died. He endured numerous types of torture before expiring on July 1st, 1986. In a later autopsy, they discovered that Stoops had died of septic shock due to one of his more explicit injuries that I will not get into. It's disgusting what Berdella did to him. The thing is, I don't, I don't care what, you know, these people were into, whether it was drugs or prostitution. Exactly. Or they like didn't that. deserve it. Yeah. Nobody it, deserves this. No one deserves that. Um, come spring of 1987, Berdella met young 20-year-old Larry Wayne Pearson. When he had come to, uh, to shop, he came into his shop because he had an interest in witchcraft and such. And that's the kind of shop that Berdella ran. Mm-hmm. So soon, Pearson began living with, in Berdella's home because they became friends. Um, he, he did chores around the house in place of paying rent. According to Berdella, he hadn't originally planned on capturing and torturing Pearson. But after having to bail Pearson out of jail on June 23rd, he decided to. Apparently, when Pearson joked that um, that his practice was robbery, uh, robbing gay men in Wichita. I don't know if Pearson was joking about him doing that, about Berdella doing that, or if that's what Pearson did in Wichita. I'm not quite sure. My guess would be Pearson. Yeah. Which is not great, but you still don't deserve to be brutally tortured, raped, and murdered. So that evening, Berdella got Pearson drunk, then drugged him with chlorpromazine, then brought him down to the basement. He bound Pearson's hands above his head and tied him to a brick pillar. Then he injected Pearson's larynx with drain cleaner and began performing more of his torturous methods on him. Berdella said that among all of his victims, Pearson was the most cooperative. And after about five days of torture, Berdella... Berdella figured that Pearson had earned his trust as a captive and decided to move him up to the from the basement to the second floor bedroom. He told Pearson if he complied that he would no longer beat him as much as he did in the basement. Pearson even taught himself to sleep without moving to to avoid upsetting Berdella. He was that terrified. After six weeks, Pearson could take it no longer, and bit into Berdella's penis as an act, an act of despair. Go because of this, unfortunately, Berdella beat Pearson unconscious with a tree limb, then suffocated him with a bag. Yeah, of course. Before dismembering happen. Pearson, he drove himself to the hospital because of his penis. How did nobody look into that? Well, accidents like that could happen really at any time, I, but... <laughs> No, the thing is, is that it that shows to his own narcissism, um, yeah. obviously. Because um, I could just go to the hospital. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he had the gall to, to do that. Like, Even though I just murdered him. Even though I'd been torturing him for days and days and days. And murdered and, other people. And that, that entire idea of, oh, he earned my trust. Mm-hmm. As a captive. As a captive. Like, you the thing betrayed is, He wanted a sex him. slave. Yeah, but I know there's plenty of people out there who are into BDSM and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a uh, partnership at that point. Mm-hmm. And this is not that's not what he wanted. I he know. wanted someone who didn't want it. And the thing is, it wasn't so much even a sex. The thing is, he wanted well, someone he had complete control over. I'm saying that's what he said. He said he wanted a sex slave. Oh. Yeah, no, you you just wanted to feel in control over someone. Yes. Because 
apparently you can't you don't even have control over your own self so yes um when he returned home he dismembered pearson's body and buried him in the backyard see the thing is people like this do the do the mm -hmm. sort of thing to feel powerful and everything mm -hmm. but by doing so they prove how truly weak they are oh yeah absolutely he's a spineless little weasel yeah oh you're such a big he's not man. even as powerful as a weasel he's a spineless yeah. little worm yeah. Oh, you're such a big man. You know, you're able to kill someone. Yeah, well, so can like a really determined duck. Right. Like, shut up. So this all brings us to Christopher Bryson. Christopher Bryson was a 22-year-old male prostitute. Around 1 a.m. on March 29th, 1988, Berdella lured Bryson into his home under the guise of paying him for his services. However, once Bryson was inside, Berdella whacked him unconscious with an iron bar and tied him to the bed. Lovely. Mm -hmm. um, he was tortured very much like the previous victims, except for one new heinous act of torture. Oh, Verdilla repeatedly swabbed his eyes with ammonia. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Verdilla told him, quote, the only things you need to think about are you, me, and this house. It's terrifying. Shut up, you Apparently, Verdilla posed a similar arrangement like he had made with Pearson. He left him with the warning, quote, I've gotten this far with other people before, and they're dead now because of mistakes they made. No, it's because you don't even, you're not even able to control your own actions. It's because you're a monster. After three days, Weeks Bryson had earned a bit of Berdella's trust, apparently, once again. Mm. He was able to get him to tie his hands in front of him instead of above his head. And he even got, uh, he even got Berdella to leave the TV on for him when he left the house. Berdella even left the remote between Bryson's legs. Now, even though he had gained Berdella's trust, he told investigators that he pretty much only constantly thought about escaping. He saw his chance to yeah. escape when Berdella had left the house. Berdella had inadvertently left a box of mash matches within Bryson's reach. Bryson managed to grab the matches, light them, and burn through his restraints. After freeing Go himself from the restraints, he jumped out the two-story window. The second-story window. He was wearing nothing but a dog collar. He also broke one of his feet in the process. But that didn't matter. Well, he yeah. saw a meter reader just down the street, and he ran to him, and he called, he called out for him to call the police. But because it's 19, you know, it's the 1980s, cell phones weren't exactly commonplace. So right. the meter reader led Bryson to the nearest house where they called the police and waited. Four officers arrived at the scene, got Bryson's statement about the whole turn of events, and then they sent him to uh, the Menorah Medical Center, accompanied by another officer. However, the fourth officer actually stayed behind surveying Berdella's house. He radioed for the Kansas City Police Department to send backup, and he also sent out for a search warrant. When later questioned in further detail by officers, Bryson accounted the events again, but this time he included that his captor showed him pictures of his previous victims. And, oh, fun. And that Berdella had attempted to convert them into sex slaves. Uh, the same afternoon, Berdella was arrested on charges of sexual assault, but he refused to let officers into his home. But that didn't matter because soon they had the search warrant uh, mm -hmm. got issued and the officers scoured the house. Yeah, it doesn't and take much at that point. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you. I would even argue that the officers had probable cause. Uh, they definitely did at this point, but at least at least they didn't screw the pooch. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. No, there's there's plenty is. of cases where they definitely, uh, in my opinion, had probable cause. But somehow, somehow it gets thrown out and every bit of evidence that they have. Mm -hmm. It's gone, even though it's clear and obvious because yeah. somehow their search warrant didn't or their probable cause wasn't probable cause enough. Although and one person sick. I will say I is our boy. That, yeah, is Bryson. Bryson is a stellar. He is a trooper. Not not only that, it's like I, I have a lot of respect for Bryson. Just why? First of all, I mean the ingenuity involved in in like burning through your restraints well, and tricking and him into like doing all these things for you, like tricking him into thinking that you're on his side mm -hmm. enough. But more than that, manipulating it's, the manipulator. The thing is, a lot of people in that kind of situation would either think about 
I mean, there, there's a whole they fight would or think, flight thing. A but lot of people would, would think just comply and maybe you won't die. Yeah. Well, and a lot, like, I know we all think that if, oh, if we ever came across like a kidnapper or something, oh, I would do fight. all this, but it, it's, I mean, I can't exactly attest for, you know, being yeah. in that situation, but I can guarantee you it's not as clear cut as you think it's going to be. Right. And so the fact, I mean, honestly, I feel like in that sort of situation, I might eat. I would probably uh, just want to die. Right. In that sort of situation. Right. Uh, and so the fact that... He had the resilience. Yeah. And that that's a sort of resilience that no one should ever have right. to have. My phone is at 16%. All right. So now I'm going to go through what they found inside the torture house. Inside the house, officers found the second floor bedroom where previous victims had been held. They found the singed ropes that had bound Bryson, uh, further corroborating his story. In addition, they found a transformer with wires leading to the bed, a metal tray holding medical bottles full of liquids, syringes, eye drops, and swabs. They found an iron pipe, rope, leather belts, etc. Also on the second floor, officers found a human skull in a closet. In the backyard, they found a decomposing human, bo- uh, human head. Several vertebrae were found in the hallway. A couple human teeth were found in an envelope. In the basement, they found a hacksaw, a miter saw, and a chainsaw that was also found to be soiled with bloodstains, flesh, and pubic hairs. Of course. Luminol tests further revealed that the floor of Berdillo's basement and uh, two plastic trash can or plastic barrels that were in it were extensively stained with blood. Mm -hmm. Um, Within the house, they found 334 polaroid pictures and 34 snapshot prints of multiple males they found all of Berdella's torture devices such as the hypodermic needles Berdella had also kept newspaper clippings of missing jerry howell james ferris's wallet containing his driver's license was also found in the second floor closet the skull in the closet ended up being sheldon's after forensic testing and the remains in the backyard were confirmed to be pearson's So, an ending. According to Wikipedia, on December 19th, 1988, Berdella formally waived his rights to be tried for any of the outstanding murder charges upon the understanding he was to be convicted of one further count of first-degree murder, that of Robert Sheldon, and four counts of second-degree murder. He formally pled guilty to each of these charges before Judge Robert Myers in Jackson County Circuit Court. Members of the public were prohibited from attending this hearing, with only family members of his victims and news reporters permitted access to the proceedings. In response to these uh, guilty pleas, Judge Myers imposed five further concurring life sentences, with an additional condition barring any future prospect of parole in in the sole case of first-degree murder to which he pled guilty. So basically, there's absolutely no way in hell, part of my French, that he's getting out, ever, that he would. Berdella later tried to claim in an interview that the movie we mentioned earlier, The Collector, was his inspiration. Don't do that to that movie. I mean, the movie's gross anyway. The movie's gross anyway, but don't do that to the movie. Berdella was held in Missouri State Penitentiary, which is now closed and definitely haunted, but that's a story for another time. Oh, yeah. Um, so at 2 p.m. on October 8th, 1992, Verdella began to complain to the prison staff that he had heart pains. Oh, you He poor was taken to the prison idiot. infirmary, and the medical staff determined that his heart was indeed unstable. So Good. he was taken to the hospital in Columbia, Missouri, where he was pronounced dead from a heart attack at 3.55 p.m. Good. He was 43 years old. Good. Yeah. He is a monster. There is absolutely nothing nothing redeeming about him at all. Oh, absolutely not. I, I said it before. He, he is weak. Oh, yeah. He's a spineless little worm grub thing. I mean, first of all, not being able to control, control your actions. And, and the fact... He, he always wrote such off, he wrote, an edgelord. Exactly. He just wrote off all of his actions... As the other people's fault. I murdered them, but it was but the their fault. the thing is, I can guarantee you he did not 
even uh, buy into his own his own reasoning there. The thing oh, yeah. is, he said those things because he's trying to get the people to think because he's such a pretentious idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole thing about it wasn't for my own enjoyment, but I'm going to give you the definition of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Like what the what? No, it's all it's all posturing with him. The thing is, he's he knew, trying to sound smarter than he is. Oh, yeah. No. And the thing is, he's trying to make it seem like it doesn't actually, you know, uh, like it, it just didn't occur to me that this was wrong. Or something like that. Or I just didn't care. No, the thing is, you knew what you were doing and you did care because that's why you did it. Exactly. And I, I get really annoyed with um, a lot of talk about serial killers. Yeah. Because we do tend to glorify them a little too much. Yeah. and Or romanticize it. <laughs> and that's, that's gross. A can of worms. Well, it's more than that. It's like almost like this person had something wrong with them oh. and it was dangerous. Oh, writing it off almost. Y- kind of. Oh, there was a demon inside of him. No, the yeah, thing is, but, so that was human. plenty of people have demons inside of them and don't act on that. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. The uh, thing is, everyone is traumatized in some way. I'm going to say that right now because it's true. Well, kind of like, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but kind of like the show Dexter I watched it all, except for, like, mm-hmm. the very last season, which I just, I couldn't. Uh, the thing is, I, I mean, I never was rooting for Dexter. And they almost write it so you are rooting for him. Well, yeah, because he kills serial killers. Because he kills killers. But he has this darkness inside of him, and his father yeah. taught him how to harness this I, darkness. And I'm like, okay. Eh. I got it about, I got, like... I think two episodes in before I just stopped watching it because it's it's weird. It's problematic, honestly. I know yeah. a lot of people like the show Dexter. It's not a bad show. In in if you're thinking of it though, completely fictionally. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, a lot of people like to psychoanalyze these things. But okay, psychoanalysis is just wrong. And, half I the mean, time. I mean, we, we literally have a true crime podcast. We have a conspiracy paranormal true crime podcast. We also like to hear about serial killers. We think it's fascinating. But people like Berdella are like mm. the lowest of low. They're not even intellectual. They're not even interesting. None of them are. That's the thing. They try to play themselves off as intellectuals. But in reality, if you cannot control yourself. But in reality, to, they have daddy issues. So what? there's plenty of people out there That's with daddy issues. That's what I'm saying. You're not special. You're not special, Berdella. Just, just because you think that, that, just because you don't value human life. No, that just makes you stupid. Yeah. And and that's that's my point here is like he is not an intellectual he is mm-hmm. not special he is stupid and arrogant he's a spineless little grub and worm the thing, thing is on some level he knows it uh huh oh absolutely you have to know that you have to like just realize there's so much self loathing there that he's projecting onto everyone else yeah but it's masked by his narcissism yeah well it's the sick. thing is a lot of a lot of that kind of behavior actually is born out of jealousy and envy. Mm-hmm. That condescension oh, yeah. is usually born out of envy. And okay, well, I know we're getting a little uh, babies first. I know, and well, uh, right now I think we're even psychology. psychoanalyzing. No, even though is, we're arguing about psychoanalyzing. Well, no, so the thing is, there's a difference between psychoanal- uh, psychoanalysis and uh, other forms of psychology. Uh, where I'm coming from, it is usually from a uh, developmental standpoint and more of a cognition standpoint which is kind of actually what they were getting into in um in the series um and i haven't gone that far into it mind hunter yeah they they were going into the the psych yeah the the, the actual psychology behind what makes a serial killer yeah and the what thing makes is- what makes a murderer not just a passion killer yeah what and makes a serial killer only so is it nature much- is it nurture and there's only so much you can blame on your parents, okay, guys? Mm-hmm. Sorry, but there is. In the end, you have to eventually rec- be have the strength to look into yourself mm-hmm. and reflect on your own actions. Don't kill people. Yeah, that's actually the weakest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. I mean, unless it's an absolute self-defense. 
Yeah, like, no, no, that's that's different. That's completely that's different. That's different. Don't 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 murder people. Okay, let's say that. Don't yeah. murder people. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm over here saying don't kill people, and then I'm like threatening to run this dude over with my car. I know, right? But <laughs> the thing is, he would have deserved it. The thing is, yeah. I mean, it's funny because a lot of people who are actually against the death penalty, it's not because they don't think we should be killing these people. It's because they want them to suffer as long as possible. Mm -hmm. They want them to rot in jail. But the thing is, there is no punishment good enough for this kind of crime. Exactly. Like, I don't think we'll ever be able to because so we have that's to why when, when he died of a heart attack, we were like, oh, I'm mm. kidding. Don't feel bad at all. Oh, no. It was far more dignified of a death. than Oh, he absolutely. absolutely. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, ow, my my heart hurts, and then he died. It's like, dude, good for you. My heart's been hurting since 2016. <laughs> Sorry, suck Ooh, it up. This has been a doozy of a podcast. Ashley's angry. Stupidly, randomly picked this one today, and it made me so angry when I was and upset while I was researching it, and it took so long. I'll have to find a. Uh, they they go into more details about. <laughs> they go into more details about mm. why, you know, his thought process. He gave so many interviews. Of course he did, because he's a narcissist. Oh, my goodness. And condescending I didn't even want to go into any of that, because I was like, no, he doesn't deserve that. No, he doesn't deserve a platform. And the thing is, is people that they give gave these him people exactly a what he wanted. I know. He wanted attention. He wanted people to think that he was special, that he was innovative. Like, I have a point. I'm an no, artiste. Gross. And what what also makes me extra angry is that he does this whole, uh, like any any serial killer who does who uses like the scientific tools and everything like that, like chemicals and things like that, like is personally offensive. That's to the me. weird thing. Well, that's the weird thing is he wasn't even like I'm a sci. He's like I, he wasn't even like I'm a scientist. He was like I'm an artist. What does that have to do with Which torturing is, people? Yeah, it's it's like worse. What? <laughs> I don't under I don't understand it, See, and I hope to. Is, ne I honestly hope to never understand it. The problem is, I do a little bit on some level because I was a film major. It's just, ugh. Because you so, meet some people that are like that. You know what? We're gonna. I'm gonna step off my soapbox for a minute, and on, if you have any personal opinions on this matter, or just anything we didn't cover, and you know more about the case than I do. You'll let us know. Mm -hmm. You can email us at matterthanacaterpillar at gmail.com or you can uh, hit us up on t Instagram. Blah, blah. You can hit us up on Instagram at matterthanacaterpillar. Or you can uh, tweet at us or DM us at matterthanacat on Twitter. We also have made a TikTok yeah. at matterthanacaterpillar. So go and follow us there. Duet us. Uh, duet us. You can use our sounds. We're uploading more sounds, more little snippets from shows and yeah. stuff um, as, as the day's come and go uh <laughs> also uh yeah i'm gonna force miranda to read all of the emails from this one because i don't want to know yeah right uh it's just <laughs> last thing I, we need is ashley with more rage issues <laughs> but you know if you have any suggestions let us know those too i am always looking for more suggestions for true crime or paranormal i really mm -hmm. like ghosty stuff because normally it's a lot less sad and disturbing and as yeah. much as i love researching serial killers i really into the ghost stories um yeah so or cults you know let me know Ooh, about cults cults see uh, those ones are actually interesting yeah let us know about any of that stuff anything you really want us to cover that falls into the realm of spoopy let us know because i mean it's a widespread it's a widespread uh situation i think we just fully crossed over over from spoopy in this one to disturb yeah this was just it wasn't even spoopy saturday it was disturbing saturday and i'm sorry yeah. um, saddening saturday sad, sad saturday oh <laughs> so you know, remember, tell your friends about us uh, or just tell everybody. Continue to tell everybody uh, and spread the news. Spread the word. Tell them what? Um, tell them about our podcast. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> oh, saying. Oh, tell them what. I get You it. tell them what? You know, Ashley, this, this case has just made me madder than a caterpillar on a hot rock with no shoes on. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and I'm glad that it's over. So I'll leave you with this. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your friends. Tell the FBI agent secretly listens through your phone and tell tell your dog and good night
I really, I was like, oh, closets. <laughs> I was like, no, oh, no, closets just, is a problem. Yeah. Especially in this one. I just, 